So we're starting a brand new series today called Restful, kind of a play on words, how, how to be restful in a restless world. It, it is the year of rest at Core Church, and, um, and so this is kind of a year at rest series that we are doing, and, and it's really a time when we also kind of reflect and look at our, our core values as a church. If you're brand new, like if you're new to Core Church, I can tell you that um, this, you came at a great time because not only are we going to share the core values, but I am doing art class today. Come on, somebody. You've obviously never seen me draw if you're applauding because this is going to be a work in progress, let me tell you. So there was a message that God gave me that I shared on team night uh, for our core team. Those are the people that serve in ministry and volunteer their time and are involved in different things. And on a team night, I shared with them this idea. And I, when I got done, I felt like this is something I think God wants all of us to hear. And so I'm really excited to share this today. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about our core values these are the things that drive us as a church. We have four of them, and we'll put them on the screen, and if you're sitting in the wrong place, you won't be able to see them because of the whiteboard, but that's okay. Hope for the heart, healing for the soul, peace of mind, and purpose in the world. These make up our core values. Uh, but our core values, as you know, if you've been coming for any amount of time, we just didn't pull these out of thin air. We got these right out of Scripture. That's where we get everything out of Scripture. Jesus gave this to us. Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? So if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're wondering, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it look like to follow Jesus? He, he narrowed it down. There's over 600 commands in the Old Testament. Jesus narrowed it down, and he said, just do this. In Matthew 22, he said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And a second, by the way, is equally important. Don't forget this one. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is where we get our mission, our marching orders as a church. This is what we are all about. We, are, we exist to help people find hope, healing, peace, and purpose in Jesus. That is what it's all about here at Core Church. And so today, I want to talk about that word hope. And so if you have a Bible, let's go to uh, Psalm chapter 91. Psalm chapter 91. In this series, we're going to kind of be in the Psalms. This is a psalm I have been in for about two months. I've been reading it every day for the past couple of months, and I, I pulled some things out of it that I think are going to probably help you today. This is written by, if you're new to church, the psalms are pretty much written by David. They're a collection of songs and poems. But this one in particular is written by a guy named Moses. And I know most of you know who Moses is, but for some reason you don't know who he is. He's the guy who brought the Ten Commandments down from the a mountain. He is the one who led the children of Israel out of uh, slavery and bondage in Egypt into the, the promised land. And he wrote this psalm. Now, when you read this psalm, it has some kind of confusing things like uh, cobras and vipers and serpents and, and all these different things are in here. And you read this, you know, and a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand, you're like, man, what is all that about? A lot of it is poetic language, but a lot of it is the story of Moses and the children of Israel being delivered from the plagues in Egypt and going through the wilderness with the serpents and the snakes and all that they dealt with there. And, and so a lot of this is him telling that story and how God delivered them. So I want us to look at the first couple of verses, and if you don't have a Bible, download version. It's a great app. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. I don't know which one you're in, but if you're on the app, that's the one you want to be on, New Living Translation. And Moses says this, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. 
For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. What a great word right in the middle of COVID. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Would you pray with me? Father, we just pray in this moment that you would um, speak to us, God. Uh, you have a, a word that you, you want for each of us in this room today. And so whatever that is, we just give your permission, your spirit permission to, to work and, and to speak in Jesus' name. And everybody in the room said, amen. So I've been studying uh, Lewis and Clark, and I've, I've got uh, one of their books, and I just, I've been infatuated with Lewis and Clark recently. And 1803 was the year that they did the voyage of discovery. That's where they were trying to find a passageway uh, through the uh, northeast and to, to the northwest. And the idea was that they were going to get in these canoes in uh, St. Louis. So they started off in St. Louis. They got in these canoes, and they went up the Missouri River. Now, the first leg of the trip was a lot harder than they anticipated. They thought that was going to be easy going, but it was difficult. They ran into harsh weather. They ran into some people that uh, made it very, very difficult on them. They ran into opposition, people that were trying to kill them. Uh, so it was the weather, the elements, and, and then just the, the harshness of what they were going through. And so they get to the base of the Rocky Mountains. And when they get to the base of the Rocky Mountains, the idea is they're going to climb to the top of the Rockies. And when they get to the top of the Rockies, they're going to find a river passageway that they're going to just get in their canoes and it'll be smooth sailing all the way to the Pacific. Of course, we all know that's not what happened. Uh, when they got to the top of the Rocky Mountains, they had no idea that they were the first men to be there, and they looked over this, okay, they were the first Americans to be there, and they looked over, and all they saw was mountaintop after mountaintop after mountaintop, and it was in that moment that they realized, we need to ditch the canoes, <laughs> these ain't going to work, and it was in that moment that, that Lewis and Clark and the, the team, they became mountain climbers. And I think if anyone can relate to Lewis and Clark right now, it would be all of us. Because I think 2020, we have all been trying to navigate this crazy thing called COVID. It started back in March where we all started uh, really living in our homes. You know what I'm talking about? Like you were doing uh, work from home. You were doing school from home. You were doing just about everything from home, and it, it was difficult. And then, uh, and then in the middle of all of that, of course, then in our cities, we started just seeing all kinds of unrest. There was rioting, and there was uh, there there was political unrest, and and there was uh, marches, and it was just it's been a really really difficult season in in our cities, and even in our our own city with what we have been dealing with, and. And we dealt with kind of this, like, what I would call the, the first wave. You know, it was this first wave, and it kind of came in, and, and, it, and it hit. Remember that first wave? Anybody remember that, that first wave? And it came in, and when it hit, it, it, was, it was pretty difficult. But how many of you know it's not the, the first wave that does you in? It's never the first wave that gets you. It's always that second wave. It's like when you go to the beach. You ever been at the beach, and you're like, you ever watching somebody in the water, like you got a family member, and they got their back to the water, and they're like, hey, take my picture, I'm in the ocean. You know, they're, they're doing that deal, and you see, the, and the wave hits them, and they're like, <laughs> and you see what's coming? You know what I'm talking about? And do you warn them? 
No. You don't tell them what's going to happen. You're like, oh, now I'm going to get the picture. I'm going to get this one. And that wave, and you go, hey, turn. And they turn. You ever, maybe it's you time. You ever turn, look, and that second wave just pops you. It hits you so hard. The next thing you know, you are eating sand. It is tough. I think that is exactly how it has been for all of us when it comes to COVID. I think when you think about COVID, it's not this first wave that's really gotten us. It's really been the, the second wave that has really hit us. It's never the first wave. It's always the, the second wave that gets you. But the truth is, is when this, when this first wave hit, and I think a lot of us, if not all of us, thought, you know, that we did what Lewis and Clark did, man. It's like that first leg, man. You just build a boat, right? Just build a boat. I can build a boat. In other words, I can use my natural abilities. I can, I can use my, my natural discernment. I can use um, uh, my wisdom. I can use creativity. I have resources. And I think most of, of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, almost all of us have been able to somewhat navigate this, this first wave. And, I mean, there was some flooding, right? I mean, there was some flooding. We're not going to deny that there was some flooding and some difficult days. And I'm not going to deny that for some people it's been harsher than it was for others. But for most people, that first wave hit and there was some flooding, there was some difficult, but you were able to build a boat. You were able to use some of your natural abilities to get through that. But then when that second wave hits, what do you do? What do you do when the, when the second wave hits? Because when that second wave hit, this was the tough one. It wasn't the first wave of COVID. It was that, that second wave that, that hit and made it so difficult for all of us. A couple, what was that, like eight weeks ago, ten weeks ago, however long ago that was? And it was in that moment where you just thought you had your breath, right? All right. And it just like sucked the breath right out of your lungs in that moment. Because it wasn't, suddenly all the resources and all, all of the, all the wisdom and all the abilities that you had suddenly weren't working. Like and the political unrest and the, and the, the, the racial unrest and the rioting and, and all of that, it amped up too with COVID. It, 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 we, thought, we thought that was going away. We thought we were getting better. We were finding answers. And now it feels like we're worse off than we were before. Now, and now many times, if not for most of us, we're looking at the second wave and you're thinking, am I going to make it? Is my job going to be okay? Am I going to lose my job? I know my kids are, are in school, but are they gonna are they gonna stay in school? Or are they gonna are they gonna have to come back home? And then they go are they, are they are they gonna get COVID? Are they gonna bring it back? What is and then there's so much and then and then you pile the election on top of that. We're just weeks away from who is gonna be president and what's gonna happen because of that, and it becomes overwhelming in that moment, overwhelming that you just don't know what you're gonna do. It's never the first wave that knocks you out. It's always the one. You didn't see coming. And so a few weeks ago, we were in prayer as a staff. We pray every Tuesday as a staff. And I've been saying, you've heard me saying this for like six months now, I've been saying that I believe that God is trying to get our attention, that he's been trying to get us to, to listen. He's been trying to get us to stop, to, to rest, to, to, to trust in him, to look to him. And, and, um, 
and, and if we'll just stop, if we'll slow down, he wants, he wants to birth dreams in you. He wants to give visions to you. He, he wants you to draw close. He, he has things he wants to speak into your life. He wants to grow you. He wants to strengthen you if we'll just slow down. And Sybil Hawkinson, uh, most of you know Sybil, and she's our, our children's pastor, and she was praying, and she said a word. And I don't even remember what she prayed. I just remember the word. And when she prayed that word, it just, it was like the Holy Spirit took that word and just hit my spirit with it. And it was like God was saying, Brad, that's the word. That is what I've been trying to say to everyone. That's what I've been trying to speak to you. And that word, and I'd like for you to write this word down, that word is the word abide. Write down the word abide. God said, I'm trying to get my people to abide. So what does that mean? What does it mean to, to abide? I, I think what it means to abide is like Lewis and Clark. I think we've got, we've got to ditch the boats. The boats ain't going to cut it. The boats ain't going to work. We've got to ditch the boats, and we've got to learn how to become mountain climbers. The, the very uh, Moses himself, Moses was, was a mountain climber. You may not know that. Uh, I didn't know that, but he actually was a mountain climber. If you read his account and his story in the Old Testament, it says that, Ma- that he would often withdraw to Mount Sinai to pray. And it was, it was at Mount Sinai that he got the Ten Commandments. It's where he saw the burning bush. It's where, it's where God spoke to him. Excuse me, not the burning bush, but it's where God spoke to Moses with the Ten Commandments. And he would always go and draw away from the people, and he would hear from God. That word Mount Sinai actually means mountain of God. And I think this is what God is trying to get us to do. He's trying to get us to abide. So what does that look like? What does it mean to abide? What what is this idea of abiding in God? Let's look at the scripture here, Psalm 91. Look at the first verse here, what Moses says. He said, those who live in the shelter of the Most High, they will find what? They will find what? They will find rest. In other words, they they will rest full of hope. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High, they will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The New American Standard Version uh, says it this way. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High, they will abide. So this idea of abide is to rest. To rest is to abide, and to abide is to rest. These words can be used interchangeably. When Moses uses this word, it's this idea of lodging. It's this idea of staying the night. Whenever Laura and I um, go out of town and we go stay somewhere, our choice of lodging now is no longer hotels and motels. We try to find Airbnbs. Anybody Airbnb people? You've used an Airbnb? How many of you, like, you don't ever use Airbnb? You're not really familiar with it. Can you raise your hand because this helps for my, yeah. okay, so a lot of you have it. Okay, so that's kind of our choice. We, we prefer Airbnb. You go and you, if you don't know much about it for some reason, Airbnb, you stay in someone's house, you stay in their apartment, and there's two options. This is key. This is important. If you've never stayed in one, you need to know this and you need to pay attention to where you're staying. Otherwise, it could really jack up your stay, okay? There's two options you have. Number one is private space, okay? You can have a private space. It says it for itself. You get the whole place to yourself, okay? No, the owner's gone. No one's around. It's you, and that's all you get. The, the other one that you can choose is shared space. That's the one that creeps me out. 
shared space. It's that idea that you stay in one room, the owner probably stays in another, and there might be multiple people staying in other rooms. And then you use the living room together, you use maybe the same bathroom together, you're in the kitchen together. Now, when I say that for me, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Laura's like, oh, new friends, new friends. And I'm like, creepy. That's what comes to my mind. I mean, all I can, I mean, it's like, I don't want to get up in the morning and walk into the kitchen and there's Bob sitting in his, in his bathrobe and his Crocs. Like, put some pants on, Bob. I mean, I just, it's just weird to me. I don't wake up at 2.30 in the morning with Bob standing over my bed. Do you need anything, Mr. Farnsworth? <laughs> We're good, Bob. <laughs> I mean, but listen, when, when it comes to abiding, when it comes to abiding, God wants us to have a shared space. He wants us to live in shared space with him. They have this thing at Airbnb called Superhost. And a Superhost, man, they're amazing. Those ones I always stay with because they go the extra mile. They give you the mints on your pillows, the little extra waters, the granola bars. They go all out for you. And so often I am so guilty of treating God like a Superhost. Like, I just go to God, and I'm like, this is what I need. I need a little mint on my pillow. I need a little water. I need to make sure the place is tight and spotty, and I kind of need you to only be around when I need you. But God says, no, Brad, that's not the way I do business. What I want to do is I want to abide, and I want you to abide in me. I want to have shared space. And In other words, God says this, I want you to draw near to me. I want you to draw near to me. God says, I want to commune with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want you to pull away from all of the noise and all the chaos and all the struggle, and I want you to draw in to me. Write this down. We're talking about this word hope. Hope for the heart you want hope for the heart, it is found when I abide in the Almighty. Hope for the heart is found as I abide in the Almighty. Turn to somebody and tell them, abide. Tell them, abide. You've got to abide. So Moses says, if you want to abide, if you want rest, Moses says that abiding is this idea of trusting. So if we're going to abide, if we're going to rest, it's going to require, it's going to require that we trust. Because here's the thing I know. If you're not abiding, if you're not withdrawing, if you're not getting alone with God, if you're not spending intimate time with God, I'm talking about away from the noise, away from the struggle, away from your family, away from everything that's going on. If you're not abiding, I can tell you what it is right now. I can tell you what your issue is and what you're struggling with. It's this word right here. It's because you don't really trust God. You don't really trust him. You're like, well, what are you talking about, Brad? Come on, I, I trust God. Don't tell me I don't trust God. Just because I'm not drawing away to spend time with God doesn't mean I don't trust God. Listen to what Moses says here. Moses says this in verse 2. This is how much Moses trusts God. Let's see if these words would describe you. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. 
He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. But what happens to most of us is this. Instead of trusting in God, we trust in our natural abilities. We, we trust in the boat. You know, I, I see the second wave that's coming. I just need to build a bigger and better boat. I just need a little bit more wisdom. I need a little bit more insight. I need a, little bit, a few things just to go my way, a little bit more creativity, and we're over here building bigger boats. And here's the problem with building a bigger boat, and this is what everyone is doing right now. They're, they're tapping into their own wisdom. The problem is that second wave is coming, and it is capsizing the boat. The boat is sinking. It is taking on water, and there is no way that they're going to get through that. Whether you follow Jesus or you don't follow Jesus, if you don't abide, if you don't rest, and you don't trust, your boat will go down. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't let your boat sink. Don't let that boat sink. Write this down. When I trust God, he puts his super on my natural. When I trust God, he puts his super on my natural. There's something supernatural that happens when we trust God. Something unexplainable. Something that I can't even articulate or, or put words to. That, that when I trust in God, all I know is this. Is that when you choose to abide, to rest, and to trust, and you draw near to the mountain of God, you draw into God and choose to live in shared space with him, what happens is he puts a super on your natural. In other words, he gives you supernatural wisdom and you begin to climb. He puts his super on your natural. He gives you supernatural creativity that you didn't even know existed. You're like, where was that? I didn't know. Where did that come from? How did I think that idea? He will give you supernatural resources that you didn't even know you had access to. There's no way I could have access to that. I didn't know. Wait, wait. And God's like, no, I'm giving you supernatural access and resources. And before you know it, you are on top of the mountain. And because you've chosen to abide, because you've chosen to trust, because you've chosen to rest and draw near to God, guess what happens? That second wave comes in, and that second wave, it does not touch you. Can I get an amen from God's people? It cannot touch you. It cannot come near your door. When you abide, hope for the heart is found as I abide in the Almighty. So in the New Testament, Jesus kind of does a follow-up on Moses here. Jesus said it this way in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, come to me. In other words, Jesus said, in all the chaos and all the mess and all the struggle, abide, draw near, rest, trust. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. His promise, if you will trust in me, is I will give you rest. This, this word that Jesus uses for rest is this idea of an intermission. So you might want to write down the word intermission. 
Jesus says, when, when Moses said the word rest, he was using it for this idea of abiding. And, and Jesus, when he uses the word rest and abide, he's actually talking about this idea of an intercession. In other words, what Jesus is saying here in this scripture is, come to me if you're worn out, if you're tired, if life is crazy, and I will give you an intermission. In other words, all the mess, all the struggle, all the, all the craziness of everything that's going on, and you can't breathe right now, Jesus says, come to me, you'll catch your breath. Because guess what? Monday's coming. Monday is coming. And we got to come down off of that mountain, and we got to go back. But when you have rested, when you have abided, when you have trusted, you gain supernatural strength. Sports are back. Um, so excited, although it's really, really weird. Football's kicking off. Is it not weird, sports right now? I mean, super excited that the Thunder lost and the Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals, but I digress. Wow, that's the first time all, that I've heard all day people threw their mask. That was crazy. All right, so... Uh, but I, I love basketball, and I coach basketball, and, and my, I coach a group of 10-year-olds, and, and I don't know what's going to happen. Some of you are already doing youth sports, but it's indoor, and I don't know if they're going to have the season or not have the season. But I don't know how much you know about youth basketball, but it's a little, it's this right here. It's like, imagine if you took five kittens and you threw them out on a basketball court and tried to coach them. That's what it's like because they're just running everywhere. They're scratching each other. They're crying. They're batting at the ball. They're standing there weeping. Some of them are laying on the court sleeping. I mean, it's just a, it's the most bizarre thing you've ever seen. And it's loud, too, because we're on this court, and there's three courts, okay? So there's three games going on at one time. Parents, can you feel my pain on this one? And so there's three courts. I'm loud. I'm a very loud human, but I'm yelling out there, trying to get their attention, trying to speak. They can't hear me for nothing. And, and then my assistant coaches are yelling at them. That's um, coach mom, coach dad, coach grandpa, coach grandma. You know who you are. Are also yelling at them. God bless you. I cannot wait for an intermission. I can't wait for a timeout or halftime, especially halftime. Timeouts, and let me just say this real quick. Some of you, you just take a timeout with God. I'm on my way to work. I'm going to pray on my way to work. I, I, I got up. I'm in the shower. I'm going to pray when I'm in the shower. I'm running out the door. I'm going to pray as I run out the door. I'm going to grab my app, and I'm going to read the verse as I'm walking to my class. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, and you, what you're doing there in that moment is you're going to you stop and you take, you're taking a time out. And that's not a horrible thing. That's a good thing. You should constantly do that. But, I, but what God is saying is, oh, intermission is this idea like a halftime. Halftime is the best because I can bring all these boys around and the parents aren't around. And the other games you can't hear. And they're all gathered around me and they can hear my voice. Why? Because they have drawn near. And when they're there, they're listening to me, and I'm able to instruct them. I'm able to encourage them. I'm also able to correct them. Say, guys, you gotta, I need you to do this. Or, man, this is, you're doing this great. Do this. And, and some of them are just beat down because they feel like they're having a horrible game. They're doing awful. And I get to encourage them and lift their spirits so they can go out in that second half and perform well. This is what Jesus is wanting to do for you, and he's wanting to do for me. Like right now in your life, think about this. What is the most chaotic thing in your life right now? Like you just, what is it? Identify it. Boom. 
this is what's crazy right now in my life. I want just turn to somebody, just for a moment, I want you to turn to somebody that you're sitting by. I want you to share with them what right now is chaotic in your life. Take a moment to share that. So not only do we have our four core values, but we also have our eight core practices. It's our eight, it's our eight core practices that help us to live out our core values. In fact, if you're in a group right now for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about tonight and this week throughout your groups, of those eight core practices. If you want to grow in your faith, if you want to be strengthened in your faith, if you want to make it through this craziness right here, it's those eight core practices. And the first two are the ones that help us to, have, to get hope for the heart. And those first two are the ones that are all about abiding. The first two core practices are all about abiding. The first one is this. I want you to write this down. Write down daily devotion. That's the first core practice, to, to take an intermission is to have a daily devotion. Now, what can happen is you can go, man, I just don't have time. I'm busy. My life is crazy. I would love to do that if I just had the time. Okay, that, that's fine, but you, you're never going to have the time. And what's going to happen is you're going to live over here, and you're going to continually be looking at your natural abilities. And you're going to be wondering why your wisdom isn't measuring up. You're going to be wondering why your creativity isn't working. You're going to wonder why your resources are always running dry, why you're stressed, why you're worn down. is because you're over here trying to build a better boat, and you're not abiding. But when you abide, and when you get into the the Word of God and you spend time in the Word of God, you know what happens? You get supernatural wisdom. You get supernatural insight. The Word of God is not an ancient book. It is a living, breathing Word. It is God's Spirit speaks primarily through the Word. And you know this. I mean, when you've read the Word, you've had this happen to you. You've been reading the Word and you're like, holy smokes. Some of you had that happen this morning. You're hearing something, I, I've read that a hundred times, I, what is that? I didn't, and God speaks to you. And it's in these moments when I'm alone with God that he puts his super on my natural. It's what I love about these eight days of, of prayer and fasting. It's why it's so critical, why we build everything in this church around prayer. It is foundational, never make a decision without prayer. And I'm telling you right now, if ever we needed to fast and pray, this is the year that we need to fast and pray. And when you fast and pray, you are going to hear from God. He, I promise you he will put his super on your natural. So daily devotions, the second core practice that you want to write down is what you're doing right now. Sunday worship. Right now. You said, you know what? I'm done with this. I am done with it. I need a break. Like Monday through Friday, been chasing me. Saturday, been chasing me. Everything has been crazy. And what'd you do? You came here and you are right now at the mountain of God. What we experience when we come together, and you may want to write this down there's two things that happen when we come together in Sunday worship. We experience the presence of God and the power of God. Presence of God and the power of God. The presence of God is here. When you're in this place, you're able to catch your breath. He is able to speak to you, change you, radically alter your life in a moment like this today. His supernatural power is imparted in moments like this. He sees you 
unplugging from the noise. And what happens is, you know, hey, I'll just catch the podcast. It's no big deal. I'll just catch the podcast. I'll, I'll catch up later. It's not about catching up later. It's not about a sermon. It's, it's not about just hearing words. And this. No, no, it is about abiding. That's what Sunday worship is all about. It is about abiding in the presence. It's not about cool worship songs. It's not about hearing preaching. It's none of those. Those things are all great, but it is about abiding. It is about saying, I am shutting this down, and I'm going to come into the presence of God, and I'm going to do it every week. I'm going to fight for it. I am so glad in my life, even when I was not in ministry, that this has been a powerful practice for Laura and I in our marriage. I mean, we just, it didn't matter where we are, where we're going. I, when I was gone a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in my hotel room, and I was watching the service online. I was doing Jim Bowie's wedding, and uh, some of you know Jim, and he grew up in this church, gave his life to Jesus, and uh, got saved, and then his whole family came to Jesus, and I, that's a whole other story. I can't tell the whole story, because it's just so great, everything's happened. But on Sunday, I was in the hotel room, and I was like, I'll catch the service online. And I was like, you know what? I want to be in the house. So I, I said, Jim, where do you go to church? And he told me where he goes to church. And I said, you know, and I drove over to where he goes to church. And, uh, man, they are wheels off in Texas, people. There wasn't a mask in sight. There was no social distancing. And there was not a bottle of hand sanitizer anywhere. You're talking about somebody tapping into the power of God. Protect me now, Jesus. But when I went in, it was just this moment where whew, I'm going to unplug from the noise. I'm going to let God speak to me. And would you believe I sat in that service and that preacher up on that stage said a word to me that I've needed to hear for about 30 years. Something that I've preached from this stage, but for the very first time in my life, I received it. And I walked out of there changed, radically altered by the power and presence of God. So Lewis and Clark, they... Uh, they didn't give up. That's what's great. They, they didn't just look at the Rockies ahead of them and go, well, forget this. <laughs> Let's just go back and tell Thomas Jefferson it ain't going to work. No. They ditched the canoes, and they learned how to be mountain climbers. And we all have a decision to make right now in this moment in, in 2020. What, what is it going to be for you when, when you're, you're facing this second wave? And, and by the way, this, this first and second wave isn't just covid this first and second wave can represent any crisis, any struggle in your life. It can represent divorce. It can represent betrayal. It can re relate a relationship that's broken, a health crisis, financial hardship, your career, something in your, uh, just something in your life. And, and it's never that first wave. You, you, I navigate it, and then boom, that second wave hits you. And in that moment, you can say, I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. I'm done. No, I want to encourage you in that moment, ditch the boat. Ditch the boat. Forget your natural abilities. Tap into the supernatural. Become a mountain climber. Learn to abide and to rest and to trust in God.